talking about chicken a la king Mango and garbanzo tabbouleh Real potatoes and vegetables With roasted garlic and basil Zucchini ziti Granola fruit bar Look at all this beautiful food Hello, I'm Dan Adude, and welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. Like many of you, I'm stuck at home during this pandemic, eating and drinking my face off. And so are most of my guests. So that leaves me with a laptop from 2012. Um, All right, let me know when you're ready to start. My own mic and me alone in a room, hoping my guests are able to record their half of the conversation. Here, let let me get to a more quiet place. So bear with us. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan. My guest today is a singer, songwriter, and Grammy Award-winning producer who's worked with Adele, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Ed Sheeran, U2, and so many more, not to mention his own incredible band, One Republic. You can see him on the NBC show Songland, and now he's branching out into the beverage world with Mad Tasty. Please welcome Ryan Tedder. Ryan, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Thanks for being here. You know, you're the first person on the podcast who is in the music uh, industry. We haven't had any musicians yet. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited about because you guys live uh, an exceptionally pretty crazy life in terms of travel and egos and people and all that stuff. So I'm very very curious how how food plays a factor in that in that wacky world. Well, I'm a I'm a total foodie. And before I was um, in the beverage space. I mean, my first investment back in 2009, after we bought our first house, um, the first check I wrote was for uh, a restaurant, a buddy that was had a successful restaurant in Denver that was my favorite restaurant in Denver and was arguably one of the most successful. He was venturing out to start opening up different restaurants. And I, I literally... Uh, I think the first time I ate at his restaurant, I asked to speak to the chef and I just kind of brazenly said, Hey, if you ever open another restaurant, man, like, and you need anybody else to like help underwrite it, um, I'll invest. Cause this is, this is as good as anything I've had in New York or LA. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, I then ended up investing in the, his, I think five additional restaurants that that guy, uh, opened up and, and then invested in a couple restaurants in New York. I'm still an owner of a pizza place up in, Upper East Side and oh, wow. um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm I've uh, I've gotten lucky in the food world. I mean, it's the, it's a bad time for food right now, obviously for restaurants. But I, I just bet on bet on the talent, bet on the chefs, and um, pretty much my favorite thing to do, other than make music, is cook. I cook, you know, like like oh my god, you know, there's the first two months of COVID. I think I cooked pretty much every day for like sixty days. Get out of here. Um, yeah, yeah, that's my that's my jam, man. Chefs, chefs are my friends. A lot of my a lot of my friends over the years are are uh, are you know are chefs, so it's, it's definitely in my my wheelhouse. You know, I feel a kindred spirit to chefs as well because they don't get as much credit. Uh, well, I guess lately they do. You have rock star yeah. chefs and stuff like that, but you know, as performers, I feel like we're used to getting on stage, performing. We get the instant gratification. Whereas chefs are kind of behind the scenes. They, they rarely get the diners to come in and be like, hey, man, that was great. You know, they just come in, they leave. They never really interact with the chef. Um, For sure. Which I guess, you know, your career is kind of interesting because you're, you're uh, you know, behind the camera and in front of the camera. Um, yeah. Or I guess behind the microphone <laughs> and in front of the microphone. I don't know how you guys say it in the music well, industry. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on TV as well. You know, my, yeah. my, show, my show on NBC, I'm both producing behind the camera and on the camera and you know, my, my behind the behind the curtain and in front of the curtain would be the musical term. Yeah. So what I'm always interested about by this because what do you enjoy more? Do you is there something that you lose by writing for someone because uh, you're not necessarily you're getting the credit obviously and you and you know you get you get the the cashish, but yeah, you don't get the actual applause and stuff like does that does um, that bother you at all or your your well, ego look, is, is in check <laughs> if, if i would my ego's in check um i never had an issue with that i i i've enjoyed a pretty consistent modicum of anonymity and the anonymity is worth its weight in gold man just ask michael jordan and ask justin timberlake and ask uh you know the jenners or whatever like you can't if you can't if every decision when you leave your house, you have that anxiety running in your veins of, am I going <clears> to <throat> get stopped? Am I going to get spotted? 
am I going to get tapped or chased? You know, yeah, I get the benefit, obviously, you know, financially of writing those songs. I mean, I don't have any regrets as far as that's concerned, giving away songs or anything like that. Interesting. So you say uh, that you've been cooking a ton in quarantine and uh, we are going to put your fridge on blast right now. I've got pictures of your fridge right now uh, yeah. in front of me. Uh, you guys can see the fridge uh, on my Instagram at standupdan. So there's there. this does not look like a chef's fridge, Ryan. I'm sorry no. to put you on blast, no. but this looks like a like a like like someone who's way too busy. <laughs> well, that that is my studio fridge. So okay, my, got my, it. yeah, when they asked for a photo, that's the only photo I had. My my I my recording studio, which is a house that we converted into a studio. And then my house, my house is a definitely a chef's fridge. It's like fresh produce from the farmer's market and cheese, all kinds of cheeses and every kind of like a bunch of like, uh, you know, Korean, um, spices. I like to make Korean food and uh, a bunch of different, you got the like, gochujang, right? I got the gochujang. Yeah. I make, I make Roy Choi's, um, Roy Choi's a good friend of mine, uh, from Kogi and I make, I make his fried rice dish a lot. Um, nice. And I make, you know, David Chang's another friend. I make some of his stuff. I, yeah, I'm a, lately I go in waves, but like I'm a big, I'm either making homemade pasta lately. I make homemade pasta and all kinds of pasta dishes, whether it's homemade ravioli, homemade, you know, uh, angel hair and, yeah. um, or, or I'm making some kind of stir fry and I'm a really big, like probably like my, my showstopper dish is my iteration of of kimchi fried rice with like pork belly or bacon and that's Ooh. my like that's my show and i make it and i make fresh salsa verde with roasted tomatillos and like green onions and charred green onions and like you know it's i take roy Choi's recipe but then i like amend it i add my own kind of spin to it and it's it's just so so good it's what it's one of the best dishes in the world korean food Korean food is low key, maybe the tastiest food in the world. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they have such an interesting food culture because it's got like it's got a lot of refinement and funk at the same time. Yes, um, you know it's not all refinement or all funk. It's like a perfect kind of mix of the two. They have a lot of I agree fermented flavors, but they also have like a lot of very clean i hate i hate when people describe food as clean but i'm going to but they have a lot of like clean flavors uh that are kind of minimalist as well uh, have you ever been yes. to korea i have yeah i've actually we played south korea uh we toured there probably 18 months ago we played seoul did you get to to uh go out uh experience the food oh culture of course really yeah we went to and i can't pronounce the name of it but we went to the night i got there i went to the most famous korean barbecue spot in seoul Two Michelin star, open till three in the morning. Wow. And it was so damn good that the next day I, I made the whole band go. Because I was starving when we landed. I just went straight to that place. The next day I made the whole band come back for dinner. And I think they would they would credit it as being top three meals of all time. And we've eaten, I mean, One Republic, we're, we're all like Anthony Bourdaining our asses off when we go on tour. We hit, uh, we go down the Michelin Guide, top 10 in the world. Like we've, we've checked off most of them on tour. And, and we'll do that in, in a one-year period. We'll check off a lot of those. But then we also go to, like, the street food. We just played uh, Thailand. And um, we went to Phuket for a few days. We crushed Phuket. We crushed Bangkok. You know, we found the little food stall that um, is credited as being the, the one food hawker that introduced Pad Thai to Thailand. Because Pad Thai is only – it was invented in the 50s right after World War II. All of Southeast Asia – the economy was pretty cratered, not just Japan. And the prime minister of, um, or king, I forget which, which it was, of Thailand, put out a challenge in the media to take um, local food. It was like the local food challenge for like a year. Stop importing foreign. It was to boost their economy. No more importing foreign foods. Because Thailand at that time was, was way more like diluted in terms of their food culture. Mm. They were eating a lot of just, just all over Asia. Like you couldn't distinguish Thai food from Singaporean from Chinese. They said, no, 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 no. Starting now, we're using Thai farmers, Thai produce, Thai dishes. And I want, I want all of you to come together to try and try and create the Thai national dish. Let's have a competition. And wow. this food hawker ended up creating, and it was cheap. It was work workers food, right? And mm -hmm. local produce only and pad Thai was what came out of it. That was the, the dish that became the national dish as a result of the, the challenge that the prime minister of or king of Thailand had uh, 
had um, broadcasted. And that's, that's how we have Pad Thai, which is a crazy story that I didn't know till, till I was there last time. That's fascinating. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, using every, everything in that dish is things that you can find within like 10 miles of, of wherever you are in, in Thailand. It's like, get me some peanuts, some rice noodles and some, uh, you got it. Fish cilantro, sauce. <laughs> yeah. Fish sauce, cilantro, shrimp, you know, go. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Cause I, we in America, we look at pad thai as like the basic, you know, the basic B dish that like we all order, but we all, you know, pretend like we're going to order something else. But I, man, that, that dish hits the spot every single time, you know, it just never, it really does. It never fails. It really does. I would say pad thai, good, bad pad. Now I've had bad pad thai. If it's too fishy or too bland, it's really, really bad. But most pad thai is good. And like a couple squeezes of a lime, Mm. you know, um, forgives a lot of sins with almost any dish. And when hitting that dish with lime, something opens up the whole dish. It's like changes everything. Yeah. And, um, the other, the other Thai dish that's noodle based, that's, that's become, I like cashew chicken. Everybody likes cashew chicken, but like, um, I love pad si u, um, the broad noodles with the, the dark sauce. I think that's one of the best tasting dishes on earth. Patsy is like the she's like she's like the the bridesmaid that everyone she's all Correct. you know she's, she's the unsung the bridesmaid. bridesmaid but she's a lot of times she's she's deeper than the bride and she's yeah. more interesting than the bride but you know that's true she's that's never true. gonna and <laughs> she's never gonna over I think a lot of people don't order because they can't pronounce it and right and but once you discover Patsy you you go oh this this is this is like maybe a competitor to Pad Thai um it's a, <laughs> definitely you know not as light and then and then um my go-to when I was like, when I'm trying to like eat lean or like lose weight, but still ha- have flavor is, uh, I'll just, I went on like probably, Oh my God. Like I want to say like six or seven years, my go-to for lunch five days a week was chicken satay because mm. I do chicken satay and like a fresh, like, uh, like cucumber roll or something like a fresh, like, like veg- vegetable spring roll. And yeah. it's just so lean. You're just like lean protein and like, vegetables fresh vegetables but it's still got so much flavor because the peanuts sauce you know it's yeah. good i'm probably i'm probably gonna order pat i'm probably ordering thai food for lunch after this conversation it's i probably love it. I, you know i think we that's probably the most ordered dish after after recording an episode because we inevitably get into thai food because we're in la and yep. we're surrounded by such great thai food It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. There is something about Thai food that I don't know, man. It's like, it's got like a, it's got almost like, and I mean this in the best possible way. It's got like a fast food vibe. Like it gives you yeah. the pleasure that you get from eating fast food, but with being yeah, all natural. Like it's got, it, you I know, agree. it's like, you know how fast food just has all these scientists who are like, well, what in your brain is going to get ticked off the most by, you know, by this dish? I think the Thai people did it without scientists. They were like, oh, we can. They did. Because they do the sweet, the sour, the the yeah. bitter, the this, the, like they just, they nail it. And, and the fun- fish sauce is the umami. The umami is what keeps you coming back. That's why Chinese food, you can't stop eating it. You know, whether it's MSG or umami and why you can just keep pounding sushi there's certain things. Parmesan is umami. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you have a pasta dish that has two cups of Parmesan, Parmesan in it, you're like, why can't I stop eating this pasta? That Parmesan is just keeping you going. It's that umami flavor. And I think Thai food coalesces in that without trying. Um, yeah. and I think that, uh, fast food chains nailed it, but they, they, I don't know that they were chasing umami. I think they were chasing the perfect combo of sweet, salty, savory. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like I had, I did something I haven't done. And when I say in, in 10 years, I haven't done this at least a decade, if not longer, at least the other day I'm driving around Hollywood and I'm like, I had one of those days where it's like, I try to be healthy and stay thin as much as possible. And I work out and all that stuff. I hear, um, I hear, I hear McDonald's making its way into the conversation. I, that's believe it or not. That's not where I went, but it's okay. very close. I was like driving around and I was like, I was like driving around Hollywood because I was, I was what happens sometimes if I get in a call in my car, I'll just start driving aimlessly and like not 
and before I knew it, I was at like La Brea and Highland. And I'm like, what the hell am I, or sorry, La Brea and, and, um, and sunset. And I was like, what am I doing? It's like, why am I here? I didn't even realize I was there. And I was at that point in the afternoon where it's like, I had a late breakfast, but I, it was too late for lunch, but I, and I, I hate ruining my dinner. Cause I like, it pisses my wife off if I'm like, you know, we eat together and it's, she's like, why would you eat at four o'clock when dinner is at six 30? Right. And, um, it was like three and I was starving. I was like, I'm not going to make it. I was like, if I, should I do a coffee? Like, how can I make it to dinner? And I passed a Burger King and I was like, screw it, screw it, man. And also it's so annoying now with, <laughs> with coronavirus, just the masks and walking in and the whole process and the people and everyone staring at you, like, don't get me sick. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. go through drive through I pulled into a Burger King. I have not had Burger King in 10 years, if not longer. Right. I pull in and I go to the menu and I am a, I'm a closet calorie counter if I, if I'm like trying to be healthy, because frankly, that's how I got the one time I ever got overweight, uh, in my like mid twenties for like a year, I just put on 20 something pounds because I didn't know what calories were in anything. So I was just Hmm. like eating whatever, whenever I wasn't like eating a lot. I was just eating all the wrong things. And I started paying attention to calories. I remember I was crushing like Wahoo's fish tacos or something. And I remember thinking, oh, they're fish tacos. They got to be healthy. And then one day I Googled the calories. There's like 1,300 calories. I was like, what am I doing, man? I'm like eating a burrito every time I do this. Right. So I started paying attention to, to like the light menus and stuff like that. And I pulled in the Burger King. And the only thing on the menu under 400 calories was a single Whopper, the, but the junior Whopper. Hmm. And I haven't had a Whopper. If I haven't been to Burger King in 10 years, I haven't had a Whopper in 15 years, right? <sighs> okay. So I order, I order a junior Whopper and yeah. – it is incredible. <laughs> it is, am- it is so good. And, and I, and I was reminded, oh yeah, that's, that's why they're Burger King. Like this thing. And as I'm eating it, I was think checking all the boxes in my mind. I'm going, this is umami. This is savory, sweet, crispy, hot, cold. It's every texture. It's every flavor. It's, it's every, it's, ch- and the ketchup gives you the sugar and the umami. And I was like, yeah, I was like processing it as I was eating it going, why is this so delicious? Why, why do I want two more of these? And I was yeah. like, oh, that's what it is. It's umami. Well, you know, it's also probably because you were having a junior Whopper. You were like, I need, <laughs> next time I'm getting a big boy Whopper. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's, that's honestly, the, the, I realized that in the absence of anything else, if you don't have it, you can't eat it. And that was, my, everyone has their, their trick to stay, because I'm a fat kid trapped in a skinny guy's body. Yeah, The, uh, the only way I was over to overcome uh, being like totally obese was I just determined if I don't have it, a like four, and it took me years to start eating half of the, especially when I lived in the Midwest, I'd order a meal, I'd eat half of it. Mm. And then I would literally dump water on this, on the other half. Oh, you did the water. People move. see me do it all the time. I feel like that's so sad that that's what <laughs> we have to do. You know what I mean? Like if you take a step back from yep. it, it's like the portions in America are so huge. And by the way, I, even, you know, we, we, th- we think of New York and LA as having smaller portion sizes, but I had a, depends had on an, where you go. I had an ex who was, uh, who was German and her, and her parents came into town and we went out, we went out to Pastis, which is a, you know, pretty, pretty good upscale restaurant. And even there, they were like, Whoa, this is so much food for one person. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we forget. Yeah. Like it's so, it's so weird what we've done here. We've no, made you're right. food so cheap where you're right. It's like, you're right. Well, it's, you, it, it, it's subsidized. That's why. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but it's, it's yeah. so, it's so, it, it sounds pretentious of us to say like, well, food needs to be more expensive. It's like, but that's true. Like we shouldn't be able to, it does. We shouldn't be able to afford to have meat three times a day. Like that should be a luxury. No. You know, to your point, you know, you, you are right. Uh, in terms of portions, as I'm thinking, it really is restaurant by restaurant, not city by city. But like, like one of my go-tos in LA, I love um, Kings Road Cafe right there on Beverly. Mm-hmm. And I love their food. I love their coffee. But like, I'll get their chicken sandwich. And I have not eaten an entire chicken sandwich that, that I bought there in years. And, I, and I, I don't even finish half the fries. Like I eat a fourth of the fries and half the sandwich and I'm stuffed. So, yeah. you know, to your point, I think that, Americans equate value with more, right? Yes. More for your money, more this, more that, more is the central 
theme of being an American. Well, I can get more. I can make more. I can eat more. My house can have more square footage. My yard can be bigger. That's how we're programmed. Quantity. And I understand quantity. I understand uh, the. I understand to an extent what that is. Like I, I mean, look from age fourteen or twelve until twenty-two, my ten years in living in the Midwest. When I'm a broke high school college kid, we chose where we'd go have breakfast or lunch as college kids based on. All right, guys, should we go to, you know, should we go to Perkins or should we go to uh, the Village Inn? Uh, mm-hmm. Perkins is going to give you, their portions are bigger for the same. All right, we're right. going to Perkins. And that's right. how we made our, because we could consume 9 million calories in one sitting. Um, as I get older, I almost am like, no, I'll pay you to give me less. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Here's it's more, true. give me less <laughs> because I don't need it on my plate because it causes me food stress and I don't need it and I'm trying to be healthy and like, like, you know, I'm just trying to be healthy, man. I'm trying to be healthy. And you don't want to be, and you also, you also don't want to be wasteful. You know, I feel bad when I go no. to a restaurant and I, I eat half the dish and I'm full and then I'm like, well, I don't want any more. And they're like, oh, I, I, in my head, I, I hear my mom being like, there are people in of Africa course. starving. <laughs> I know. I know. My mom said the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like this, this might be a little long winded, but I got contacted by um, your publicist, I believe. And she, she was telling me that you came out with this drink called Mad Tasty. It's a drink with CBD in it, which I'll tell you the truth is not my thing. I, it's not my thing, yep. but I was, like, I was like, you know what? Send it over. Let's see, let's see what's going on. Now, during quarantine, I feel like I've really upped my drinking. I'll drink like two to three glasses of wine a night. And I feel like everyone is up there drinking, right? A lot of people. And I was just like, man, I'm drinking too much. And I, I haven't smoked weed in a couple of years because I feel like my brain just, it, get, it turns into mush the next day. So yep. I, I can't really, I can't really smoke weed. So one night I was, I, I hadn't, I hadn't touched your drink and I was out of wine and I was like, let me have this, see how it feels. Dude, it, it hit the spot in terms of just like calming down the brain a little bit at the end of the, of a stressful day. And it's like, what it's just like a handful of calories and i was like oh i see i see i see the purpose of this drink now <laughs> and, yep. and and the next day i felt fine it doesn't really it doesn't really it doesn't get you high that's for sure but it just kind of takes things down a notch it's like your yep. your body takes a huge deep breath and you're just like i don't know i really i i i i i, I didn't want to enjoy it i was like oh this is like one of those gimmicky things but man, I really loved it, and it has a and it tastes great. It tastes like like Lacroix, but like with a little chill out in it. Yes, yes, I, I'd say it's a pretty, pretty good um, Lacroix minus minus the insecticide. <laughs> oh, so is um, it all natural and all that stuff? Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's all natural. Um, you know, I, I started it. Um, shoot, probably at the end of 2018, going into 19. I went to high school with um, these brothers. They're called the Stanley Brothers. They started a company called Charlotte's Web out of um, Denver, Colorado, Boulder, actually. It's the number one CBD market share uh, in the world. They own about 30% of the world's market on CBD. Anyway, I wanted a, a natural solution for stuff like uh, Xanax. And I don't smoke weed. Um, and also want to drink less like everybody else. So all those things kind of coalesced into hemp becoming legalized. And me experiencing pers- firsthand the benefits of CBD. It's like that body, your body just goes, ah, like it's that relaxing vibe. Mm-hmm. You don't get high, but you feel it. It's very hard to explain the CBD experience like to the uninitiated. You don't get high. Um, mm-hmm. you, get, you get a chill. It's like it's, like, it's mm-hmm. just awesome. I don't know what to say. Um, it's, like, it's like you just got into a Snuggie without a Snuggie. Yeah, there you go. A mental <laughs> Snuggie. It's a Snuggie for your brain. Yeah. Well, look, the other, the other thing is like I feel like – there is, I, I like the fact that you're, that it's, that it's your product because there's a lot of people who have like weed brands who you look at them and you're like, yeah, well, you're not really like, you're not like a, <laughs> you're not like a hard worker. Yep. Whereas I feel like you have, you have so much stuff going on and I can, I can only imagine what your day looks like. It's nuts. And I'm sure that a lot of people associate anything that, you know, is associated with weed, with laziness and this and that, but yeah, this is something that you can. Yeah, you this can is the do opposite. And be fucking productive and correct, correct. Oh, dude, this is this is what I drink throughout the day. This helps me with my productivity. I mean, legit. This is it. It, it helps keep. It's hard to say, but it helps keep you focused. 
I drink four or five of these throughout the day. It helps me drink less alcohol. It helps me drink less coffee. It helps me drink more water. Well, especially during during quarantine, man. I'm telling you, oh, because yeah. I've I've become so out of whack with like just Dude, me like too. drinking way too much coffee, way too much booze. And this is me like too. it's a it's a pretty nice little sweet spot that it occupies. And yes, you guys do a lot of the good social justice stuff, but a lot of companies do that stuff and they're putting out a shitty product. Your product, yeah. I, I regardless of the fact that like <laughs> that you guys are doing great in the world, it's fucking tastes good and it feels good. And I I, I I get sent a lot of shit and I don't promote it or whatever. And I wouldn't even yeah. say I'm promoting this. I'm just like talking about something that I that I enjoy. So Well, I appreciate it, man. I want to get to our uh, our our questions at the end of every episode that we ask every guest. Let's do it. All right, cool. So number one, what is your earliest food memory? This is so boring and generic, but it's true. Hot dogs. Good old fashioned cold hot dogs. But I was gross. I'd eat them. I'd eat them cold out of the package. Hey, man! Everyone, everyone's got their journey. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's 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 somewhere between hot like hot dogs and cookie crisp. I can't remember, but it's it's right one of those two. What is your death row meal? So you're on death row. Oh, I know, uh, I know. I've already. I can already tell you. I've already thought about this. I'm trying to think uh, of what de- you would be on death row for. Let's say like someone is someone's using a song of yours without. I killed them. Uh, yeah consent and yeah you just can't yeah, take yeah, it. You, yeah. you you couldn't find your cbd drink that day that's right and you just you went off you went off the hook um my death row meal would be chicken tenders from this place in uh oklahoma called charleston's which i would do chicken tenders i would get the curly fries from arby's um mm. and it's funny because i eat really healthy but like my death row meal is not going to be healthy of course um yeah yeah no. and i do curly fries <laughs> Chicken tenders, a glass of Batard Montrachet uh, uh, white burgundy wine, um, and which actually, funny enough, would probably go good with the chicken tenders. And then I would wash it down with a probably a chocolate or vanilla malt, and that would be my that would be my um, death row meal. I d- There's a place in Washington D.C. in Georgetown called I think it's called Good Eats. And it won it won the international milkshake chat like uh, competition. They won gold. <laughs> Apparently, that's a thing. And they they <laughs> right. they make they're famous for their milkshakes. They're right off of M Street in Georgetown, and um, or Good Eatery, I think is what it's called. Every time I go to Washington D.C., which is you know usually a couple times a year, um, I go straight to Georgetown and I get in and I I buy like every flavor shake they have, and I have a little bit of each flavor. So I would. I would fly that in to death row, which I don't think they do on death row, but I would, I would ask for it. <laughs> they will on your death row. That's yeah. actually, yeah, that's a great death row meal. And we, yeah, we've never gotten anyone say anything healthy. It's never been like, I want no. a salad with tofu. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> no. Slivered almonds and some golden raisins. Yeah. No but thing. I like yours cause it's got upscale and downscale. It's got the, uh, you know, the white burger. That's me. Chicken tenders. Yeah. That's, really, that's, I, that's, I, that's I'm me getting that vibe. I like that. Yeah. So you're going to like our next two questions. Uh, First one is, what's the best high-end meal you've ever had? And Uh, the one after that is, what's the best low-end meal you've ever had? So let's go high-end first. um, The best high-end meal, um, Um, it's a tie. It's a tie. Mm. Um, It's a tie between uh, French Laundry Mm -hmm. uh, in, in Napa Valley, which was the number one restaurant in the world for a while. Thomas Keller's place, yeah. You know, I ate at Noma when it was number one in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And really good, but it's just like a place you eat there once, don't need to go there again. You know what I mean? Right, right, um, right. And I would say the tie, though, would be last summer from my birthday, I was in Spain for two weeks in northern Spain in the Basque region, which is famous for their food. And I went to Asador Extabadi. So it's oh. A-S- a S A D O R and then X Sabati. It's it's in it's in Basque and it's the num- it's currently the number three restaurant in the world and it's in Oxbay, Spain in the Basque region, and um, it was sing- single handedly one of the, the greatest meals of my entire life. So between that and French Laundry, I couldn't tell you which was better, but they were both like pretty much a perfect ten. Yeah, Exteberi is a fascinating restaurant. It's basically the chef. I think he used to be like a truck driver or something, and yeah. he built these wacky grills yep it's all about the grills we got to tour them we actually got to tour the, the grills and see see their whole cooking process 
Yeah, and he's just like, he's apparently just like a mad scientist when it comes to the grilling and the kind of wood that he uses and the kind of beef that he gets. And I, I almost got in there and then uh, it didn't work out schedule wise. Uh, so I, it's still it's still number one on my list. I actually had to call um, one of my, my friends is an architect. He's from um, Bilbao and his best friend is, is Basque. So, and lives in San Sebastian. So I, he had to call him and he, and the, cause he called in to get an order and they said no. And it's for my birthday. We traveled all the way from the States. We called months and months and months in advance. They said, no, no way, no way. He tried for two, three months. No way, no way, no way. He calls his friend who speaks Basque and had, <laughs> right. had his best friend call immediately. We get a reservation. Yeah. There's, it's so funny. There's like a, there's like an acceptable racism <laughs> when it comes to food reservations in other countries. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, went to, uh, yeah. I was in Tokyo and I, and there was a sushi place Jiro. that no, it wasn't Jiro, but it was another oh, okay. guy who's like, he's one of the top ones. And I was with my girlfriend at the time and we were, we kept calling and we would just say, hello, please. And they would just hang up when they heard English. Yes. Of course. <laughs> of course. So, and so we showed up and like, they just like, I opened the door and they looked at me like I was an alien. They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, you yeah, want to go to, um, next time you're in, uh, in, in, um, Japan, in Tokyo, it's hard to get a reservation. You have to stand in line in the morning to get a ticket for lunch in the afternoon, but it's called Suta T S U T A. And it's Suta ramen. And it's the only, it's the first and only ramen shop in the world to get a Michelin star. And it is $5. <laughs> hmm. which is incredible and i've actually the cheapest fanciest meal i've had i've eaten at the at the cheapest michelin star restaurant in the world it's in singapore in the um, oh the chicken place the chicken place yep i've been there three times actually it's really really good wow yeah i That's always go fantastic. there any anytime i'm in singapore i go there that, that place looks pretty amazing the fact that you can get yeah. a michelin star meal for under five bucks is insane it's it's, it's wild yeah, it's why i'd say the 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 best you said well, least fancy. Yeah, meal? would that would that be your best low end meal? No, that, that no, the best the best low end meal I've ever had. Um, it's the place I talked about earlier in the podcast. I went to the place in Bangkok that invented um, pad thai, pad thai Ooh. noodles. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, it's called. You know what? I, I had it saved somewhere. I can't remember the name. It's not. It doesn't have the name. I think it. I actually think it does have the name. Oh yeah, that's it. Pad Thai Tip Samai. That's it. T-H-I-P-S-A-M-A-I. Pad Thai I love it. Thip, Thip Samai, which is in Bangkok. It is a street vendor that cart that turned into like an open air indoor place. There's a line down the street seven nights a week. The meal is the freshest, greatest Pad Thai on earth. Well, they, I mean, she, you know, she and her family invented it. And it is $2.99. It's oh, $2.99. We, when we converted it, that's by the way, that's with a Thai beer. So you get the entire meal, <laughs> like, and, and a beer for two ninety nine. Dude, why aren't we all living in Thailand? I don't understand. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. I don't know how much of a drinker you are, but do you have a favorite drunk food? Uh, my favorite drunk food would be for sure. Like I associate being drunk with obviously being on tour. Uh, um, yeah. And I would say the go-to drunken food on tour the best pl- country in the world for drunkenness is germany at night and um they do two things at night you can get you can get a um danner kebab uh i'm mispronouncing it but donner kebab Don- you in any yeah. kebab you can get yes. a donner kebab kind of anywhere that might be one of the greatest uh drunk meals of all time um and currywurst which is was yes. invented to be a drunken food and you eat it with toothpicks. And if you've not been to Germany, you probably don't know what currywurst is, but it is the most delicious drunk food of all time. And that, that'd be my number one. Those are two interesting things to choose because the, the prevalence of donor kebabs in Germany is because of their, they have like a big Turkish population in yeah. Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the currywurst, I'm not sure how the curry made its way into the sausage, but I'm sure it's a similar type of story. Same type of deal. So I, I actually watched this special on the history of currywurst, which is funny, but it, um, yeah, it's just, it's all immigration, right? It's like, yeah. how did, um, how did Mexico city end up with Paco, tacos al pastor, right? Where you're shaving the beef from a rotating spit. That's not Mexican. You know, right. that, that it was like Lebanese it, it, or Syrian. Yeah. It's right? Lebanese. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Lebanon. There were, there were, there were refugees that came over in the thirties, uh, from Lebanon to different cities in Mexico. And they invented the, ro- the rotating spit. And they initially did it with lamb, 
And, um, and then it, the Mexico took the rotating spit and just made it uh, beef instead of lamb. They made it steak um, or pork well, and yeah, pork that's... actually. And yeah. Do you have a favorite hangover cure when you're on tour? Um, hangover cure. Uh, yeah. In the morning, I try not to, I mean, it's going to sound lame. I just try not to get drunk anymore to the point where I have a hangover. Cause it's just like, they just, the older you get, the more devastating they are. And on tour, yeah. they're really bad. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, uh, to leave, you don't want to do Tylenol. You want to be careful. You're not doing acetaminophen or whatever you want to, you want to stick to a leave if you can find it. So I always travel with the leave. I'll do two a leave a bunch of water. Um, I, if, if I have mad tasty on me, I, I will slam a mad tasty cause CBD leaves the headache. It's an anti-inflammatory and your headache is coming from inflammation from the alcohol you drink. So CBD, CBD counter, but we're actually about to introduce, this is one thing I got to plug. We're introducing immunity slash wellness shots and October 1st, we're going to roll them out. We have two flavors. We've spent eight months developing the flavors. So they, they taste better than Vive organic, all the wellness shots in the world. These things taste better than them. And they have 50 milligrams of CBD and you will feel that in a shot. I promise you it's a two ounce shot. We have hundred percent daily vitamins, vitamin C. um, And we have the two main active ingredients in Tamiflu are in this shot. So it's an actual antiviral immunity, uh, massive immunity booster. It's an antiviral shot um, with CBD. You're, you're on, you're on blast. All you other wellness shots, you're about to go down. So we're, we're rolling those out. So I would definitely, do, I mean, to be honest, if I have a hangover and I'm in the States and I have access to like those wellness shots, immunity boosters, like I'll go find a Jamba juice and slam some green juice. Um, but really it's water and, uh, lots of water and two a leave. And I'll do, um, I'll try to go for a long run because, yeah, you know, sweating it out has always worked for me. I mean, like I truth, truthfully a long run where it's hot and you're just sweating that's about the best cure for a hangover that there is other than yeah. like sitting and for and watching Netflix for eight hours, you know, that, that also helps. That is a good one too. That is a good one too. Um, so who is your favorite celebrity chef? So this could be a food personality like yeah. a Roy Choi or like a Bourdain. Um, David Chang, David Chang. Yeah. Yeah. David Chang. Momofuku. Yeah. He's uh, have you been to his place in LA? I have. Yeah. I've been to his place in LA. Um, and he and I got to know each other at a, at a, at an event a, co- a couple of years ago and became Instagram friends. So, and he's just, I just love his sense of humor. I love his show, uh, ugly, ugly, delicious. I love his, yeah. his cooking. Um, and, uh, I went to major domo. I've been there probably two or three times here in LA. Uh, and yeah, I just like him. I like that. He's such a fan of other chefs and supporting chefs and chef culture and food culture. And he wants to learn about the history of everything and, um, yeah, we're just like-minded in certain, our approaches to certain things. So I, I like him a lot. I also love Thomas Keller. I've gotten to know him, uh, you know, through some mutual friends over the last few years. And Thomas is super nice and kind and effusive and, and, uh, and just a great guy. I got to say one of my biggest quarantine watches I've been doing is I got, I got masterclass, the masterclass oh, yeah. series. For sure. Dude, his, and I cook a lot. Like I, I'm, I'm yep. a pretty good cook, but man, I, I Watching his Master Chef stuff, it's like yep. it's so first of all soothing. Like he's got such a comf- yeah. like a comforting <laughs> yeah, disposition. But he also just the the respect that he gives to the food and the way he talks about the food and the way he cooks it. Like he he really really respects and loves food. And it's just it's one of the best cooking like teaching series I think I've ever watched. Is his Master Class? Oh yeah, for he's sure. Good. And he, I made pasta actually about two weeks ago. And I make, I'm, I make homemade pasta all the time. I have a mm. pasta machine, you know, I roll it out. I do that. Fortunately at this point, most things that I can make without a recipe, which was my goal from the beginning. Um, yeah. but, but, um, I make his pasta recipe. It is the biggest pain in the ass of any dish in the world. I make his sweet potato, um, annulotti, annulotti or annulotti, or I'll also make it, uh, the ravioli style. So this two weeks ago, I made the ravioli sweet potato, and brown butter ravioli with crispy sage, um, and and it is in, in a in a sage cream sauce. It is it's in his um, French Laundry cookbook. I highly recommend it. Yeah, one I would I would do it if it, you know if you like cooking and you want a challenge, but but you but you want one of the best meals you've ever had. Make it this weekend. You can find it on the internet. And but start it like make the pasta at le- legitimately 
have the pasta made by 3 p.m. and then start mm. the prep for, for all the other crap immediately after that. Like start doing, get the potatoes in, let them cook, make the pasta while they're cooking. And then, you know, if you want to be eating by like 7 p.m., you need to start at like, you need to start at probably like 2.33, like for sure. It's just, it is, yeah. his stuff is so fastidious. It's so detail oriented. And, and I just, I don't skip any steps. I do everything the way he says to do it. And it always turns out I'm amazing. Yeah. I, th- I think he also, he has one of the biggest ratios of egg yolks to flour of any pasta recipe I've ever seen. Like he, really he does. Yes, he shoves does. them in there. <laughs> but yeah, he does it. He does a shit ton of eggs, man. He really does. What is your desert Island food? So you're trapped on a desert Island. There's one thing you can eat for the rest of your life. What is it going to be? Hmm. I'd say this might be cheating, but this is so I get all the ingredients that I need and, and, and I don't die from malnourishment or anything. Um, um, I would do, um, I would do stir fry like for the rest of my life. I would do stir fry. Oh, that's good. That's a good one. Because you know what I mean? Because you kind of get, you get vegetables, you get rice, you get carbohydrates, you get flavor, you get all that. Like if somehow I had the ability to make stir fry an an endless supply of stir fry, I would do stir fry or pancit canton, the Filipino noodle dish, which is the noodle version basically of stir fry. Like I would do oh, cool. something like that because you can, it would sustain you for forever. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. And it tastes, and it tastes good. So this is my favorite question. What is your restaurant pet peeve? I was a server for five, six years and I, I thought I was a damn good one. So I have definitely have my, my pet peeves. Um, I mean, it, off, off the bat, um, anything more than two minutes uh, leaving a table for more than two minutes, three minutes without acknowledging them or coming and reducing yourself. That's, that's annoying. That's, that's mm. a big pet peeve. Um, Got it. I think that, um, over, over, uh, an overabundance of interaction is a, a big no, no. I'm, I go from being incredibly effusive and warm and talking when I was a waiter and let, you know, just put people's guard down and like, how can I help you? And like it like, rattle off the menu at the top of my head but the moment they place their order i'm a ghost like it is it's about them eating i am a ghost if i could hide behind a sheet i would so i would zip in and out i'm not lingering i'm not asking i'm just like intuitively figuring out does this person people give you know they give you telltale signs they're looking around the room you know all these things oh they probably need a napkin or they 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 didn't get their water and like like intuitive like really dense over talkative waiters. That's, that's a huge pet peeve of mine. Um, probably one, one of my uh, bigger irritants that seems to be happening to me a lot lately, uh, not lately pre COVID is when I've had the meal, we've done everything in the, in the way, and we've, we're just waiting on the bill. We've had a lot of like, I had like a few instances in a row where I, I swear to God, it was 30 minutes, 30 minutes after we were done, and we can't find our waiter. A lot of shift changeover and a lot of crap happens at restaurants. And like you get into it later into the meal and you just can't find the waiter. And you're like, I'm just trying to pay to get out of here. The amount of times I've had to get up at even the nicest restaurants and walk around holding up my Amex being like, will anyone take my money? Like, I'm just trying to get out of here. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah, that's um, a good one. Yeah. So I would say all those and everybody's going to say a dirty bathroom. That's that's rule number one. Dirty bathroom is is uh, is is that that'll that'll kill a restaurant. Yeah. Um, it's all service, you know, the, the food pet peeves, of course, everyone has the obvious overcooked steak, undercooked, under undercooked fish, like, you know, like whatever it is, the food stuff is obvious. I, it, to me, it's all about this. It's all about the service. It's all about the service. What, and if you you're playing, like, if you're playing music too loud, I hate that shit too. Like, oh, especially in Vegas when they're bla- blasting like German disco and oh. in a really nice restaurant, <laughs> like when I, your music, the, the music volume level should, should be. Uh, correlated with the menu pricing. The higher the menu, the lower the volume. <laughs> right. Have you ever gone to a restaurant, you've been recognized, and then they put your music on and you just want to fucking punch someone in the face? <laughs> oh, no, it's happened a lot. Has it no, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. That would that must drive you crazy. I do not like that. <laughs> not a fan. Uh, do you feel like your service gets better or worse if you're recognized? Um, it just gets weirder. It just gets right. weirder. It, get, it gets, you might get a free meal or free dessert or free drink. And 
it just gets awkward because then there's always an expectation like we'd like to buy you this but like at the end the the servers would all like to come out from the kitchen and take a photo it happens a lot more overseas when you're in countries like the when you're in the countries like the philippines the philippines don't have any they're the nicest people in the world they're like innately the nicest human beings in the world but they also like the what what would be considered socially acceptable um if you're dealing with a celebrity of any kind they don't have those rules so right, right, right. like having an entire kitchen staff stop cooking food, stop what they're doing, leave the kitchen, rush the floor while in the middle of service to <laughs> surround a table and take photos, that is not off that is not off the menu for them. They will totally do that. It's happened to us many times. Um it depends on the country, it depends on where you are, but um you know, in America it doesn't happen as often. That is very funny. So, uh, two more questions. What is, is there a food that you can't stand eating that you just hate? Um, I have everybody that knows me knows I have like my, my five things and no matter how I've tried and how many times I've tried them, I detest them for like innumerable reasons. Um, I absolutely love cheese. I absolutely detest goat cheese. Um, the only kind the only kind of goat cheese I can physically swallow is is um manchego for some reason the way that they treat manchego it's a different it's harder it's whatever well it's harder yeah i i and the flavor is different with manchego goat cheese um the smell flavor texture i i feel like i'm eating sickness like i don't know how else to put it. it 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 feels like everything about it is wrong it's like you take good cheese and it goes bad and um it's just a flavor that my body, my taste buds cannot get around. So if anything has oh, like man. chevre or, 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 or goat cheese or feta, feta is a little more tolerable and, you know, in small quantities. Um, but if it's a goat cheese, like listed in the ingredients, um, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm not eating it or I'm asking him to take it out. Um, and it's not like I hate these things and I, and I, and I, I wish that I didn't, I wish that I loved it. I goat cheese. Yeah. People that love goat cheese, it's fabulous. I wish that I loved it because there's so many dishes that have it. Um, I just wish I loved it. Um, I hate it. So goat cheese, I hate. Uh, cantaloupe is repugnant to me. Um, it's oh so weird. I can God. eat. I can eat honeydew. I can eat watermelon. Cantaloupe, the smell and the taste also tastes like something. For me, it, it's my taste buds. It tastes. It tastes rotten. It tastes like it's a rotten. Like like funky like shoe foot like it just grosses me out. <laughs> so I hate cantaloupe. <clears throat> I I'm really weird with cucumber. Um, I like cucumber water. Um, I like the smell of cucumber. Um, I can eat a Greek salad and crush the cucumber. I love it. I don't like adding cucumber to any dishes because huh. cucumber is this weird fruit, a uh, vegetable, whatever it is. Cucumber, when it's in a sandwich, when it's in a dish, it overpowers everything around it. And something about the note in cucumber, at least how my taste buds process it, all I can taste is cucumber if it's added to a dish. So like, like especially overseas, club sandwiches, not, not in America, but overseas, you order a club sandwich, there is cucumber on it. They put it on everything. Uh, Australia, cucumbers on every hamburger. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and so I ha- I'm constantly requesting no cu- no cucumber, no cucumber, no cucumber. Um, so yeah, I hate cucumber, and I love it. I love it if I'm eating it, like just by itself. If it's in a Greek salad, I don't like adding it to things because I think it's a it's a it's a flavor hog, and it just it just takes makes everything around it. If you set a glass of water in a refrigerator, this is true. Next to a cucumber, overnight, the next day, the water will taste like cucumber. It's a very like it whatever that term is it's like it osmosis it really transfers yeah, it's like its flavor little, to anything it's a little flavor um, amoeba and then the very last um uh, i'm trying to think there's there's one other now i'm spacing out there's one other thing eggplant i don't like eggplant oh my go. god man yeah. ryan i thought we were like kindred spirits until until this part of the <laughs> the interview yeah <laughs> i want to make That's a it. salad with all four of those <laughs> things in it <laughs> yeah I don't. I hate eggplant um, because I think Dude, it's pointless. What, like a and baba it, ganoush. It, it's 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 just mush. I eggplant. I hate because of the texture. Um, I think the only way that I'll eat eggplant is in a ratatouille. Like mm. in a ratatouille, if it's if it's melded with all the other vegetables, I'll eat it. But eggplant, like fried eggplant, um, eggplant parmesan. It's it, eggplant is mush. It just 
no matter how you cook it or what you try to do to it, the damn thing turns into like a vegetable pudding. And I just, I hate the texture of it. So if it had, if it, if it I'd had like an amazing flavor, to all the listeners, let's, I'd like to apologize to all the listeners. Um, the, uh, you love eggplant. lovers, we all love eggplant. Everyone loves eggplant. Come on, man. No, what about like sorry. baba ganoush? No, no baba ganoush for you. No, man. I love middle Eastern like tapas, but that's, that's the one I don't really get down with. I just, I don't know. You know, the other thing is I don't love the color purple. It's my least favorite color. So that might have something to do with it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, these are good pet peeves. By the way, you should make a cucumber flavored Mad Tasty. I think that would be awesome. It would go off. Yeah, that'd be a good one. All right, are you ready for your last question? Last one. What is the first restaurant that you will go to after quarantine? First restaurant I will go to after quarantine will probably be Ebaldi in Beverly Hills. Ebaldi, old school Italian. Ebaldi. Yep, you got it. Yeah, I'm it's simple. all about comfort food, man. I'm with you. That's right. Yep, that's where I'll go. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome, thank man. I, I love awesome. meeting artists who are huge foodies. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you before you got to run. You can find me, I mean, well, on Instagram, obviously, at Ryan Tedder um, or at One Republic, or just do both. And then I'm on Songland on NBC. My beverage is at Mad Tasty. At Mad Tasty. We've got it's some new so wellness shots and all kinds of tasty, crispy be beverages. Hit us up. Ryan, thank you so much. This has really been, uh, been a thank pleasure. Thank you. All right, take care. Be well. Bye. This episode of Green Eggs and Dan was produced by Andrew Stephen. Executive produced by Jeff Umbro and The Podglomerate. You can find more of their podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music is Beautiful Food by Idan, and interstitial music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.